You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome, welcome to the Hokey Hangover Podcast. I am Andrew Alex from ESPN Blacksburg. Joined alongside me is the one, the only, Ricky LeBlue, live from the 757. How are you, man? Doing good, Andrew. Doing good. I'm disappointed that Mikey couldn't be here this week because um, Lord knows there's a lot to talk about. But uh, it, was, it was really important for us to go ahead and, and, and hit record because, um, man, there's been... There's been a lot going on that we have to talk about. Yes, and Ricky, you have been very, very vocal about it, so I'm super interested to hear what your take is on this entire situation. But let's play a little catch-up here, folks. Last Thursday, the Big Ten Conference releases their schedule for the 2020 fall season. By Sunday, reports are coming out from all over the world of college football that the entire season was basically collapsing under the weight of pressure from the universities in the Big Ten to cancel the season. On Sunday night, the players take to the internet and use their voices to say, quite frankly, we want to play. We know the risks. On Monday, it seemed like there had been, say, a little pushback and that the Big Ten might have been embarrassed. The Impending announcement of the cancellation of the season did not happen. But by Tuesday, the dream was dead. The Big Ten has canceled football. The Pac-12 has followed their lead. Ricky LeBlue, I know for you as a diehard college football fan, a guy who has been covering the game now for the better part of at least five, five or so years, what all went down here, and and what's your initial reaction? Yeah, this has been an extremely frustrating time period uh, for me, and I'm sure for a lot of people, just because the discourse has gotten really nasty, unfortunately. Um, I have been very vocal um, and outspoken in support of basically going to the end to try and get this season off the ground. Um, I, I think a lot of people are... Um, misunderstanding my motives. Um, I, I really don't need a football season personally. I can get I can get by without it. Obviously, I would love to have a football season, but um, I'll be just fine personally if there isn't a, a college football season. The point is, is that there are thousands, if not millions, of people that won't be. I mean, pe- people are not understanding the financial and economic impact of not having a football season. And when the Big Ten decided they weren't going to have conference games just a couple weeks ago, 
I said that this was the beginning of the end of the college football season. And unfortunately it looks like I'm going to be right. Um, the, the big 10 is obviously prioritizing player safety and that is of the utmost importance. And we cannot lose sight of that. Um, but I find it hard to believe that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are the ones that are making the right decision here, given the fact that you have an ACC doctor um, who is Duke's leading doctor in their athletic program, saying that he believes that this season can happen and it can happen in a safe manner. Um, it's gotten extremely disappointing um, how how this uh debate and discussion has played out nationally and, and regionally. Um, but unfortunately that's the world that we're living in. And, um, now we just have to wait and see if the ACC and the SEC and the big 12 stand pat and, and have their seasons. They, they're saying that they are, um, the statements from the SEC and the ACC were very lukewarm. Uh, they were not, um, strong, um, strong support or they, they weren't very supportive of their original stance. It seemed like they were hedging their bets a little. So I'm not really sure what's going to happen at this point. Yeah, Eric, it, it just seems like, unfortunately, there, there are so many people that are negatively impacted and, and it ha it will make waves. I mean, you and me have both worked around the Virginia Tech Athletic Department for an extended period of time. Yeah. The amount of people that it takes to run that operation from the Hokie Vision people to the SID. Hundreds. People, hundreds people, of people. Hundreds of good, hardworking people employed. You know, people that are focused on not just football, but all of the athletic programs. And Without football, and I'm not just talking about Virginia Tech, but schools across the country, without that revenue, even if it's less revenue than would be generated normally, because obviously you're not going to have fans in the stands, but just the TV money split across the ACC would be enough to save jobs. It would be enough to save programs athletic programs in minor, not my, I don't want to call them minor sports, but non-revenue generating sports that are not sustainable without the money that football brings in. And you can complain or, or talk about that college football and, and the NCAA as a whole was always a house of cards and that it, it's not great to have one sport funding all the other ones. But I mean, quite frankly, look at the Big Ten. You probably have all the schools generating a profit off of college football. Then you have a small handful that might make some money, not a ton, but some money off of college basketball. And they use that to fund every single sport that is played in the Big Ten. And yeah. if we're just throwing that away without giving it a shot, without it's just it looks to me like this was so reactionary and it just looked like they gave up and also the i just think that this has been horribly mismanaged by big 10 commissioner kevin warren oh most definitely 
you know, like Ricky, on Thursday, releasing a schedule on Friday. He said he feels personally comfortable with his son, who is a student athlete, football player at Mississippi State. He goes out and says he is comfortable with his son playing college football. And then by Sunday, the entire thing collapsed. What changed about the virus between Thursday and Sunday? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. nothing. And that's and that's the point, Andrew, is that we have COVID-19 obviously has has basically grip the world now for almost an entire year. Um, and there are many things that we don't know about this virus. That is that is perfectly obvious. What we do know about this virus, one of the very few things that we do know is that young people, especially people younger than roughly 25, are at, at extremely low risk, extremely low risk in terms of symptoms, risk. in terms of, of, of even having a, a symptomatic case, um, and they are at extreme low risk in terms of serious health issues. Um, that's that's the one of the few things that we know about this damn virus. And when you take that into consideration and then you give players the ability to opt out, I think that that is a reasonable compromise for all parties involved. And you can't just choose an option that has zero risk. We take risk every day in our lives to do things. We take risks to go to the grocery store. We take risks to go to the bank. We take risks to go to a bar. Um, these these risks, and from what I have seen, and I'm obviously willing to be educated on this, if someone can point to me where I'm wrong and, and maybe something I'm missing, but the risk is so low for these student athletes that I think it is perfectly manageable and perfectly reasonable for these student athletes to decide for themselves whether or not they want to accept this risk. We've already seen some players have decided they don't want to accept this risk. And you know what? That's totally fine. It's their body. It's their life. It's their career. They have every right to to decide to opt out or not. But we have seen an outpouring of of emotion towards wanting to play this season and when you consider that a lot of players have been vocal about actually wanting to play a lot of coaches have come out and said that they're confident in their COVID-19 testing protocols and you consider that the the financial and economic impact of this which I do still want to talk about in detail um, I don't see how it, it's unreasonable to want to try and get this off the ground. But every time I talk about this, I have someone in my mentions on Twitter uh, talking about how I don't care about player safety or that I, I, I'm, I'm putting these kids at, at undue risk. And I just don't get it. And, and it's, it's gotten to the point where this issue has become extremely polarizing, much like COVID-19, unfortunately. Um, and it, it, it's impossible to to stake out a position in favor of wanting the season to go without being accused of being uncaring for these student athletes. Yeah, and, and Ricky, one thing that really sticks out to me, and, and it's one of the primary arguments behind it, you're saying, and not you, but the detractors of college football being played, the ones who are more vocal and, and – often more aggressive, like you said, will accuse you of not caring about player safety. Well, first of all, 
students are going to class. So there's already a risk there. Now, if you're going to be going to class on campus at any big university, and keep in mind the Big Ten schools who say that we're, we can't play football because it's too dangerous, will be welcoming. I mean, Big Ten schools are notoriously huge, like 44,000 yeah. students in some. That's because they're all big 000. state schools. Yeah. Yeah. They're all big state schools. They're welcoming people back. Kids are going to be going to classes. Now, what do you think is a better situation? Like, everyone makes sacrifices because of the virus. If college football is played, the student athletes will have to take huge sacrifices. Quarantine will not be like, oh, quarantine, go see my buddy, though. Oh, quarantine, go eat at an outdoor restaurant. No, it'll be school, practice, apartment or dorm, repeat. And they're willing to take that sacrifice to play football because for these kids, football is their life's work in most cases. They've worked their entire lives to have the privilege and the honor to be a Division I college football player. Some of them with aspirations to go even further and are really trying to prove that they are capable of doing so and play at that professional level next. What's the better situation? Being under extremely strict protocols, being tested likely two, three times a week, which is likely to really kill the chance of the community spread, or shut it down, go do whatever you want, you're not going to be tested. It just, it seems like for these kids, being in that structure, which is a sacrifice that they seem to be willing to take, as we saw from the we want to play movement that took place on Friday or on Sunday night, it seems like that would be a safer situation than throwing the kids out on their own. And in some cases, if they're in all online classes, they might just go home to a bigger city where coronavirus is more likely to be spreading. What do you think about that? Yeah, and th- th- there is an argument out there that apparently some teams are going to continue testing their athletes on a regular basis, but my my counter counterpoint to that would be that they're not going to be able to afford to do this. And this goes back into the financial, the the economic and the educational impacts of not playing college football in in 2020. These these college athletic programs like we talked about just a few minutes ago rely so heavily on football income. UNC's Bubba Cunningham, the AD, um, put out in a release that he is he's projecting that UNC is going to miss out on $52 million of revenue from football if they don't play. Where in the hell are you going to fill a $52 million shortfall in your budget? You're not. So what are what are the only only options for an athletic department in that point, right? You furlough employees, you lay off employees, and you cut scholarships. And in some cases, entire programs. Which one of those three are good? None, right? So if you don't play college football this season, you're going to have hundreds and hundreds of people across the country lose their job. The ones that don't lose their job are going to be at risk for furlough. The the other athletes in, in, in the program are going to be at risk of losing their scholarship because these schools are just simply not going to be able to afford it. Where's the money going to come from? It's not going to come from the donors because the donors aren't going to double their, their yearly input into the program because they, a, they probably can't afford it. And B, they're not, they're not getting any football. So they're probably not going to, continue to donate money into the program even at a higher rate 
So where is that money going to come from? And this is this is a problem that is affecting every single institution across the country. I'm really curious to see what um, Ohio State, Penn State, Nebraska, uh, Northwestern, Wisconsin, Iowa, what are their plans to cover for this budget shortfall? Because Urban Meyer went on TV the other day and said that he think there's no he thinks there's no chance of spring football. So I, yeah. I, I, I think spring football is in serious doubt as well. And, and, and as it turns out, the, the goalposts are already being moved for spring football because th- th- there's no definition or no set standard as to what is safe for Kevin Warren or, or, um, or the Pac-12 to decide that they can play football. So there are so many negative impacts of not playing and – to acknowledge those negative impacts, you're immediately crucified as not caring about player safety. And it's extremely frustrating and extremely disappointing that that's where this issue has gotten. I just think that what the Big Ten did was premature because I think that am I certainly confident that playing college football is a great idea? I wouldn't say I'm certainly confident, but I think you at least have to try. You have to do everything that you can to see if this can work and that it can be done in a safe way. And the people within these programs, we've heard it from Tech, we've heard it from UVA, we've heard it from a bunch of the college football programs around the country. These players have been with their coaches in these protocols for quite some time. And most of the people at the head of these departments Look at it and say, we think this can work. We think that we can do this. We and we we can do it in a safe way. And if you for, for well, the first thing I'd want to know is I agree with the idea of the season being pushed back because a lot of this is going to depend on whether colleges can control the spread of COVID on their own campuses. And I'm not talking about athletes. I'm talking about the regular student population. You look at Virginia Tech, you're going to have people coming in from the 757 where, as you know, coronavirus is much more widespread than it is here. People coming from Northern Virginia where coronavirus is much more widespread than it is here. And it's imperative that Virginia Tech as an institution and in partnership with the town of Blacksburg does what they can to mitigate what could potentially be really bad if, you know, there was a huge COVID outbreak in Blacksburg on the campus of Virginia Tech, so on and so forth. And that just doesn't apply to Virginia Tech. That applies to every major institution. So that's the first step. But if you can do that and create a relatively safe environment, I don't see with enough testing how it's not worth a shot. It just, to me, it to just prematurely quit based on fear without trying to execute your plan at all just seems it just seems like a weak decision to me that's what this is andrew it's fear and that that may sound insensitive but that's exactly what it is these these commissioners these university presidents they are they are afraid of a being sued and b they're afraid of being ripped apart in the media when a couple players test positive because look it's obvious that there are going to be teams with with cases that pop up we've seen it in major league baseball we've already seen it in the nfl has got guys slowly start to come in for rookie camp and things like that um the one place that hasn't had any positive tests thank god is the nba and that's because they put everyone in orlando at the at the disney complex 
but you're going not to have positive cases. That's th 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 that should be un understood from the get go. But as as soon as these teams, like if any teams in the ACC or the SEC or the Big 12, if they play football this year, the second they have a positive test, they're going to be ripped apart by the media. And Kevin Warren and the Pac-12, forgive me, I'm not I'm not sure what the the Pac-12 commissioner's name is. I think it's Larry Scott or something like that. Um, it's they're they're taking the safe route here, but what they're not doing is understanding the the budgetary, the um, economic, and the educational impacts and consequences of their actions. And I'm very curious to see how those three impacts are covered by the national media in the next six months. Now, just talking about the media in general, over the past, I'll say, three or four days, what's been your opinion on the media's coverage of this issue in general? Is there anyone that stuck out to you as doing a very good job covering it? Is there anyone that stuck out to you as being exceptionally bad? And if you have any examples, go for it. I think the issue with this coverage is that we haven't seen some of our national media members give time and and in space on websites to people that are confident that this can get off. And that it really hasn't happened until recently when we saw um, some coaches come out in favor of this, most notably Jim Harbaugh. Uh, and then ESPN ran a story on um, Duke's. Uh, lead physician talking about how that they, they think that they can get this season off the ground in a safe fashion. Um, but instead, all we have seen is that everyone should be scared. That's basically been the message. And, and they're, they're not balancing the risk factors with the, fa the, the implications of not playing and the consequences of not playing. There's been zero balance. I haven't seen any balance from any national writer in terms of, okay, if they don't play, here's what's going to happen. Here's the amount of money that these schools are going to have to come up with to meet their budgets. Here's realistically what shortfalls they can run at without, without cutting staff or furloughing staff or cutting teams. We, I haven't seen any of that. And if it's out there, please DM me it. I will retweet it and share it, and I will – I will correct myself and I will correct the record and say I was wrong, but I haven't seen it and I would like to see it. And it's extremely disappointing because it seems like the coverage all is, is that except for Greg Doyle over at the, the um, Indianapolis star um, who kind of lambasted the big 10 as well. The coverage has been extremely positive towards the, towards the big 10 and the pac 12 and that they're, they're doing the right thing and they're getting out in front, and they're they're prioritizing player safety, um, and it, it it's really disingenuous, and it's extremely disappointing that that's where it's come to, um, which is why I've been so frustrated over the last several days because anytime you try and talk about this issue with someone, um, there's a chance that they're going to assume that you're either extremely uncaring about student athletes, or it's the exact opposite, and that. Um, so it, it's just it, it's it's very toxic um, and the media has not done a very good job in terms of correcting that. Like there, the, the, 
there was an ESPN article talking about the the um, the potential heart issues related to COVID-19 and conveniently thrown in in the middle or later middle part of the article was that that heart issue can also go along with other viral infections, some, such as the common cold. So I don't I, I'm not really not really understanding the difference here. And if someone that has a medical background can explain it to me, I would like to know. Uh, but the media coverage seems to be extremely one-sided, and we, we, we briefly talked about this on the last podcast, and I don't think it's gotten any better. I, I, the hypocrisy is what gets me. If, if you and First of all, I do respect if your opinion is that we shouldn't play college football. I respect yeah, your opinion. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally respect your opinion. What I don't get is if you're the Big Ten – Football too dangerous, 40,000 students on campus, A-OK. You know, one and one don't add up there. And I think, Ricky, what I've really been thinking about a lot in the past few days is what you talked about in our last podcast about we all need to establish a shared set of facts. And we don't have that right now. Even between medical doctors yeah. advising conferences, the guy at Duke says it's okay. Whoever they have over at the Big Ten says it's not. Obviously, doctors are entitled to different opinions, but when this kind of gap exists in the base facts that people use to make decisions and make their arguments, we as a general public sit back pick a corner and argue in circles over and over and over again. It's, it, it's just quite frankly, Ricky, it's exhausting. And it, it's not even a topic that I, I don't like to argue about COVID-19. I, I have strayed away from it basically up until this weekend went down and you see Same. a similar, yeah. you see, you, and you see that's what happened with the players, right? Because I think on Sunday evening, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and the rest of them kind of decided collectively, organized and said, we're not going to let a lot of people talk about how playing football is putting us in danger. We're not going to let you know people on Twitter and people in the media make decisions about what's best for us. And they went out and let their voices be heard. And... I, I think that's important, but ultimately, do you think that that will have enough of an impact to save this season? Do you think the players' opinions really matter here? Nope. Nope. <laughs> Either way. No, they don't. And that's that's what part of this that's extremely frustrating, right? Because it's their lives that are that are at stake here. It, it, it's it's their health, it's their futures, um, it's their their careers that we're talking about. Um, and it seems like there is a, a, a sizable portion of the, of the camp that does not want to play football that just simply doesn't give a shit. And that's, that's so, so annoying and so frustrating. I mean, the amount of risks that these athletes take week on a week to week basis is astronomical, right? I mean, they could blow a knee out, they could get several concussions they can they can have all sorts of of lingering health issues throughout their life and yet they choose to continue to play and again i i go back to this because look 
like you said, Andrew, I don't really like arguing about COVID-19 because guess what? I'm not a doctor. I'm not an epidemiologist. Um, I, I don't understand the the minute details of infectious diseases and how they spread. Um, I, I try to read up on it as best I can. I try and stay informed, but I'm admittedly ignorant on a lot related to COVID-19. Um, but the, the one, one of the few things that has become abundantly clear about COVID is that the risk factors for extremely healthy people, which these college students and co these college athletes are, and young people, in particular those under the age of 25, is extremely low. It, it, it's almost impossible to get any lower. And in fact, there is some evidence to suggest that the younger you get, um, especially once you get down under 25, you're actually at more risk to die from the seasonal flu. Um, so and if anyone that thinks that that's BS, DM me, and I'll, 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 I'll go ahead and send you the study. So what are we talking about here? That's that's kind of my point is that yes th there is a, there there is a small risk involved but the risk of of just giving up on the season and not playing at all in my opinion is far greater and I think some student athletes understand that um, and like like we just said they're being ignored yeah no uh, for sure Ricky and what makes it disingenuous I mean we've seen players die on the field uh, on the practice field recently at the University of Maryland. We've seen players get paralyzed. We know about the, the long-term yeah, we, we long effects of CTE. We saw what happened to Alex Smith of the Washington Redskins a couple of years ago. We've seen what happened to Jordan Reed, you and I being Redskins fans. Mm -hmm. I mean, Jordan Reed has had more concussions than we can fit on two hands. But uh, it, it's just... I don't understand, like when they canceled the NBA season, right? There was this, first of all, we didn't know anything about that virus at the time, right? For all yeah, we knew, definitely. because our testing capability was so low, this thing could have had a, a, a 4 or 5% fatality rate. We didn't know at the time. And when Rudy well, that, that was basically what the... the Anyway, so I was going to say, when Rudy Gobert got the disease, it shut the world down. But that's when we didn't yeah. know anything. Now we know significantly more. There are unknowns, I'm sure. It is hard to project out what the effects of a disease are that's only been around for seven months, you know, a couple of years down the line. I don't deny that. But with what we do know, I just don't think there's been that, that groundbreaking moment that pushed the Big Ten to do this other than maybe the the heart thing that you just referred to? But is that enough? Because I don't think there's enough solid – because I feel like if that was that set in stone, there's no reason why the head of the ACC's medical advisory board, a guy who's a doctor at Duke University, would be like, no, I still think it's good. I feel like there would have to be some yeah. sort of consensus on that to have that groundbreaking moment. Because, I mean, oh, am, yeah. I, am, am I confident that college football is going to be played this year at all? Not really. But at least the ACC, SEC, and Big 12 have sat back and said, we're going to keep going on the course that we are, but 
we will adjust accordingly. Again, I am not saying for sure that college football needs to be played. With enough information, you could convince me otherwise. But I just don't think that that information just came out of the blue this weekend, and suddenly the ship is about to sink. And I think that the Big Ten went out, did this in hopes that they could pressure the other conferences to follow suit and do the same right away. That obviously didn't work. And where we're at right now is a really interesting situation across Power 5 college football, Ricky. My question to those who think that 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 the the season needs to be canceled is what would it take for you to want them to play? Because we've already seen Dr. Anthony Fauci, who's been really the the, the kind of the point man on all of this. He um, has already said that there is a, a very good chance that the vaccines that are readily available, whether it be at the end of the year, before the end of the year, or right after the end of the year. Um, are going to be anywhere from maybe 50 to 75% effective. So we're not even going to get a 100% effective vaccine, most likely. So what exactly has to happen for us to, to try and play? How, how much longer do we have to shut everything down and ruin the economy, force people out of their jobs, force people out of their their livelihoods, remove educational opportunities for for young people. How how much longer do we have to do that? What what is it going to take in order for us to get to that point? Because I have not seen a concrete answer. Yeah, Ricky, I I'm just uh I'm kind of the same. I I, I like the people that are yelling spring and, college and, and football. Look, look, I'm going to I'm going to change between now and then. I'm like, going to say this again for the one millionth time. I I genuinely care about these these players' lives. Look, for all the talk about death rates and what that and the other, I have a comorbidity. Okay, I have an autoimmune disease, so I I understand the risks of this. Okay, and I have been taking necessary precaution around uh, when it comes to my job, when it comes to my family, when it comes to my friends. I have been doing my best to be to be relatively cautious about how I, I conduct my life and trying to find some semblance of a new normal until until we figure out exactly how this how this disease affects people with my disease. So don't just spare me, okay? Spare me the BS about me not caring about people's health because I, I, I understand it well. No, and and Ricky, I I appreciate you saying that because, again, I don't want this to be misconstrued. We we're not virus deniers. It's no, just trust me. I've had I had a family friend die of this a couple months ago. I I, I'm I'm not denying the existence of COVID nineteen. I'm not denying the prevalence of COVID nineteen. I'm simply putting out there information that's readily available. And if you really want to go see it, you can find it pretty easily. Indeed. Indeed. Well, Ricky, I think that's a good note for us to leave on. This conversation is not over yet, obviously. There's still plenty of twists and turns ahead in this road, but I just truly on hope a positive that note, Andrew, on a positive note, 
we do have a really good guest coming up on the pod. Um, for those who are listening, be on the lookout for that. Uh, that should be coming out here within the next few days. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that interview. Um, but yeah, that's that's my positive news for the day is that we have a really, really cool interview coming up on the Hokie Hangover um, that I know you and I are extremely excited for. Uh, Mikey will be back for that. Uh, and I think it's going to be a hell of a podcast. Yeah, we miss Mike. We miss Mike. I'll tell you that much. All right, folks. Thanks for listening to the Hokie Hangover podcast. As always, the Hokie Hangover podcast is sponsored by Main Street Pharmacy. Main Street Pharmacy in downtown Blacksburg, the best pharmacy in the New River Valley. If you want a pharmacy that truly cares about you as a person, as a neighbor, and not just simply a number, head on down to Main Street Pharmacy in downtown Blacksburg. Dr. Jeremy Counts and his wonderful staff will take care of you. We recorded last Wednesday, and I said it, and I will say it again. Jeremy gave me a bagel today. Shout out to Jeremy. He gave me a bagel. That was my breakfast. (laughs) I am Andrew Alex. He is Ricky LeBlue. We appreciate all of you tuning in. As always, if you're into what you're listening to, subscribe. Leave us a review. Tell your friends. Word of mouth is a powerful thing. Follow our Twitter account, at Hokie Hangover. We will try to keep you guys going through all of this. And I understand for a lot of you, it's been a tough couple of months. It's been a tough couple of months for us as well. We're trekking. We're trying to stay as positive as possible. We're trying to bring you as much information and opinions as we can. So if you've been on board since day one, or if this is your first episode listening, we truly do appreciate you and tuning into the Hokie Hangover podcast. Ricky, before we leave, you got any wrestling news for Jersey Hokie? No. <laughs> Sorry, Jersey. There's too too much stuff going on, man. I got nothing for you. Um, we will bring Jersey on at some point. For those who aren't familiar, Jersey Hokie on Twitter is like a VT wrestling guru. Go follow him. He's He's got all the info about Virginia Tech wrestling. At some point, we will have him on um, to talk about the wrestling program because I do have some, some questions about it, and I do want to say some things about Tony Roby. Um, so at, at some point that is going to happen for all of you tech fans that are really into the wrestling program, just be patient, have, have patience. There's a lot of stuff going on, <laughs> obviously. Um, but we will get to that. All right, folks. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you. And as always go hokey. Hokey.